0: In this series, we are looking at this prefix r e It means again or anew." When you attach it to the front of a word, it means like to retell or to rebuild or to renew the first week, we looked at the word that we sense God laid on our heart for this entire year, and if he laid it on our heart you 're here, so he 's laying it on your heart. I already prayed that a minute ago. And that word is to reflect, to reflect on ourselves and the things that God has called us to do. Last week, I preached a very simple message just to respond to what God wants. This week, I want to continue in this direction and preach on relationship. And before I go any further, I I need you to hear this and, and hear my heart in this. Jesus Christ did not leave his throne, spend 33 years on this earth, be tempted in every way and sin not, make himself obedient unto death on a shameful Roman cross, Uh, Go through what it took to receive the sins of all man and woman for all time. Have his father turn his head on him. Spend three days in the core of the earth. Some scholars believe to be hell itself. To be raised from the dead and us continue in a rigid ritualistic religion. Based on works and performance. God already paid for and performed every work that ever needs to be done. He came down here so that we could have relationship as sons and daughters, not just be set free of sin, but live a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, won't you just give him praise for the relationship that he came to have. If you're taking notes today, write this down. Number one, we're talking about relationship with Jesus. Jesus. And you heard how powerful his name can be when you really get to know him. Not when you've just heard about him your entire life and you take his name for granted. But when you begin to truly understand the glory, the power, and the authority that goes along with an authentic relationship with Jesus. Jesus said this in John chapter 14 verse 23. All who love me will do what I say. Now, I've I'm, I'm been placed in authority over a lot of people. Um, staff and leaders and children and God's daughter. And there are times when I'm, I'm just confounded because I know what I said. But then I see what's being done, specifically by the little people. Like, I know I, know I just said this. And yet, and yet this was done. And so I, I've had, I've even had people say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I don't need you to apologize. I need you to obey <laughs> because I don't feel loved when you disobey and apologize over and over again. That that's not good for our relationship. But if you love me, if you love me, And you want to experience the love that I have for you. I need you to do what I say. Just do what I say. Then ask questions. Do it. Then you can say why. Do it and then I'll explain. And I believe that the Lord looks down from heaven sometimes and says, Chris, (laughs) I know you say you love me. But if you love me, do what I say. Even if I tell you, to sell all your stuff and go somewhere that is not your security and comfort zone. Even if I tell you to give out of your lack instead of just your abundance. If you love me, do what I say. I like the New Living Translation. And by the way, it's not like a a condemnational statement. If you love me, prove it by doing. No, that's not what it, what he's saying is, if you love me, then you're gonna do what I say. If, if we're in relationship, your greatest desire is not to please your friend. Your greatest desire is to please your daddy. You just do what I say because, because you love me. My father will love them and and we will come and make our home. It's important with each of them. Paul echoes this sentiment as he writes to the church in Ephesus Chapter 3, verse 16, he says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now, hold this for a second. I need you to understand, from this point forward, this is what I mean when I say Pentecostal. I do not mean a denomination or a system of thought and or interpretation of scripture. What I mean is a people who believe in the infilling of the Spirit of God, who are willing to pursue and desire to pursue the baptismo, the saturation of being filled with the Spirit so that we can go in glory, unlimited resource, and be empowered, again, not to just be set free from sin, but to be set free for something, and that something and someone that God will use us to accomplish will be strengthened. As we are continually filled with His Spirit. Verse 17, then Christ will make His home. Some of you have been renting Jesus a room, He's not interested in your rent, He's not here to be a guest in your house, He's here to take up residence. He's going to let you abide in what you have now given him. It's no longer yours. It's now his. He will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And look, we've gone back to our planted series. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. In 1940-ish, a man by the name of Robert Munger wrote a book called my Heart, Christ Home. My Heart, Christ Home. In this book, which is a nostalgic, I kind of like the old school, the throwback stuff, you know, like it's, it's brittle and, and, and the paper color is weird and it doesn't tell as many stories. It's not just like a, a feel-good thing for, for you to read through and check off your list. Like you got to dig to even understand that last paragraph. It's, it's those kind of books, my heart Christ home in this book he he shares this idea or this story that he sensed coming home one day and and finding Jesus standing outside of his house like this now I remember a time when I came home and my parents met me outside as I pulled up and I did not assume in my heart that this was going to be a warm welcome as I saw them come and greet me, I realized that they had discovered something. I realized that I had been exposed by the grace of God. By the way, it's not the punishment of God that exposes you in this life; it's the grace of God that exposes you in this life. I realized that my secret had been found out, and uh, and that it was time to deal with that which I had not actually been delivered from. Jesus outside of the house. So Robert Munger writes that he walks up to Jesus. Lord, what's wrong? And Jesus says, there's a stench in that house. I cannot stay in the house where there is a stench. Well, I I don't know what you mean, Lord. Oh, you know what I mean. Come here, I'll show you where it's coming from. And he walks Robert into the house, through the rooms, up the stairs, around the corners, and into the attic. And over in the attic, in the darkest corner... Is a box, and Jesus points to the box and says, it's coming from there. I need you to get rid of this, or give it to me so I can get rid of it. But as long as this is here, I can't stay, because it's not a sweet aroma. I've just come to a place, as a person, not a pastor, where I'm not willing to continue to live a life that Jesus doesn't have complete access to. Like there's not not a place of bitterness that I can hold on to. There's not a a secret that I can keep. There's there's not an offense that I can continue in. There's not a lack of self-control that God is okay with. There's no area as I reflect on who God is and what he did for me. I have to respond. I must respond. There are some specific areas that many people fell in, and I believe that the Holy Spirit gave me this in our roundtable review last week, and so I'm giving it to you today. There are three specific areas. I'm going to give them to you, and then I'll go over them. A: we tend to keep access from Jesus in private. B: we don't tend to give Jesus access in rest. and then C. We don't tend to give Jesus access in recreation or play. Let's talk about in private. In private, we somehow assume that Jesus doesn't have access to our devices just because we type in a password or a passcode. You can't have secret apps from Jesus. You can't delete history from Jesus. You can't watch the show or stream the episode or allow the search engine to roll and you can't continue in that direction and expect Jesus to just give an excuse card for that day because because you were alone and you weren't really hurting anybody no 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 Jesus wants access to your private life so that you're not exposed in public Jesus wants access to our rest come on you don't take vacation from Jesus You take vacation with Jesus and you leave your tithe here. Hallelujah. All right, so that was a super spiritual joke. You don't really have. If you want to go spend it and explain it to God, that's between you and him. In in rest, I I know people that they do these great things for God and then then they go rest in something else. They go rest in inebriation. They go rest rest in intoxication they they go they go rest in impurity and they feel like because they're exhausted instead of resting in the lord they rest in their favorite habit or their non-addiction that they really can't quit and we have this idea that in private or in rest we somehow deserve this chance to do something that we know we're not supposed to do. And here's the final place, in recreation or in play. Hey, I don't know, if you've ever spent any time around me, you know I like to have fun. In fact, my motto is, if it's gotta be done, it may as well be fun. It's just who I am. I asked my seventh grade teacher, describe me in one word. She goes, and I could see all the words that she wanted to use to describe me in that moment. And she said, fun-loving. That was a really kind way of saying inattentive. (laughs) Uh, Let me just go here. I don't care what time of year it is, whether you're tailgating or whether you're on 2nd Street or Bourbon, Bourbon Street, whether it's Mardi Gras or Merry Christmas, there's not a time that you can celebrate and sin. You can have fun without being unholy. My babies can have fun at church and as the church. Come on, quit being engaged in the world and just calling it being in it. We cannot engage In the things that other people engage in and still claim that we are set apart, consecrated, and holy. Jesus wants access to every area of our lives. And we can have fun and be holy at the same time. We don't take a break from righteousness when we're in relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you to to declare this with me. You don't have to bow your head and close your eyes. I do want you to say it out loud. And so some of you need to wake up your neighbor. This is why we serve coffee. But I would rather you go to sleep here than stay home and sleep. So rest in the Lord if you need. I want you to say this with me out loud. Jesus, I give you access to every area of my life. All right, that was cute. Now I need the other hundred people sitting in this room right now to go ahead and join the first hundred that said it. Let's all say it out loud, unless you're not ready. And if you're not ready, then don't do it. But if you're ready, and this is really what you want, then I want you to say it with me one more time. Jesus, Jesus. I give you access to every area of my life. Okay, listen, if you get this wrong, it doesn't matter what else you get right. If this relationship is not prioritized properly, then every other relationship will be out of line. If this relationship is not prioritized properly, then you will put your children before your spouse. If this relationship is not prioritized properly, then you will put your success before God's will. If this relationship, this relationship is not properly prioritized, then you will put your friends and your hobbies before your family. And it's not because those priorities are out of line. It's because the foundation is wrong. And when the foundation is not properly set, it doesn't matter what you build. It will not withstand the storms of life. Relationship with Jesus. Number two, relationship with One another. In our home, we have declared how we will live. And we declare it often because if we want people to remember it, then we need to rehearse it and we need to repeat it. And so in our home, we will repeat our values over and over again. Our first one is to know Jesus, it's very biblical, the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord your God. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So our values start with Jesus and spread out from there. To know Jesus. To make him known. To love one another. To forgive and be forgiven. Those are our home values. Just four. We have seven, really eight. But anyways, it's another message for another day. Why, why is that our value? Why, why can't I just love God? Because God said you have to love other people as well. Why? Because he knew, he knew that relationship with other people would be the lid on how much he could use you and how much you actually loved him. My love for others is actually the ceiling on how high I can go with God. Because if you allow bitterness, unforgiveness and or anger and unrighteousness to exist between you and another person, you have technically put that person before God because they stand between you and him. We must love God and be in relationship with Jesus, but but we were not created to be isolated. We need to love people as God loves people because the enemy likes to attack the isolated. If you will, watch this video to prove the point. The sound of those hyenas actually gives me the free zones. I I know how to say it. It was a joke. Because... When we were with Aaron and Stephanie, Stephanie DiMaggio in the Maasai Mountains, we were in a brick building and uh, the bathroom was outside. And I was laying in my bed. This is, I didn't get to share this in first service. I was laying in my bed, and at night you'll hear this sound. It's the hyenas right outside your window. I am so Surprised that I did not have an infection in my bladder by the time I got home For how many times at night I refused to go outside No matter how badly I really needed to go because I was alone and I was unarmed in my eyes and Hear me the enemy likes to overthrow people in isolation Now, I'm not talking about people who are homebound and who really can't be here. But even for those people, if you know those people or if you are that person, you can call our office and we can help you find ways to form relationship in 2022. We had somebody from another country across the Atlantic Ocean attend our small group via FaceTime last year. We can zoom you in to relationship with God and his body, the church. And let me just go ahead and say this while I'm here. We don't get to be lazy and blame COVID. We don't air online so you can stay home and call it faithfulness because your children will not remember that you didn't prioritize attending services because of a sickness. They'll just remember that you didn't prioritize attending a service. And where you were blame COVID, they will blame anything because you set the example and you set the tone. But when you say, no, 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 we will gather in the name of Jesus as instructed to in God's word. We will confirm and encourage one another together in his name. As some have stopped doing, we shall start and continue to prioritize. And I'm not just talking about large group. I'm talking about small group and freedom group that we have over 240 people signed up for. But how many will show up for the relationship? that God created us to have with others. Pastor Dylan pointed this out to us in a staff meeting. Consider the first problem that God ever dealt with in scripture, it was isolation. In isolation, Adam was not set up for success. And so God, even though the Bible says that Adam would walk in the cool of the afternoon in perfect intimacy with the Father, When the father gave him a warning, do not eat of the tree, the fruit of this tree. The very next verse, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Because you were not created to be isolated. You were created for companionship. Companionship is why God put you on this earth companionship, relationship with him and others. The first and the second greatest commandment are why we are here. Now, I won't give you the exhaustive reading, although I did do this one Sunday. There are over 30 verses with this phrase. I won't read every one of them to you. You are welcome. But this phrase is that I will be their God and they will be my people over and over from genesis to revelation and everywhere in between i will be their god and they will be my people you don't get to love god and despise his body and his bride for instance if you say you know chris man we we really like you but man megan she just uh, i just I, she's so bubbly all that so happy all that It's just like she never has a bad day and it gets on me. And then I'm going to say to you, then you don't love me because we are one. Or, or if more likely people will say, you know, Megan, listen, we really like you (laughs) because that's way more likely, you know, but your husband, he's, he's brash and this may have happened. He's just, he's, he's too aggressive. He's, he's so sharp and it's just like always authoritative, like we like you, I just don't, we just don't like him, and she will look at you and surprise you, <laughs> because if you don't like me, then you don't like her, because we are one. I, may I say to you today, I believe God has heard, you know, I love the Lord, but I don't like the church. I believe God is looking down from heaven and saying this. If you don't love her, then you don't love me. Because we are one. Father, I in you and they in me. That they may be made perfect. You can't believe in God without believing in his body. And his body are his people relationship with God can get you through, but one may be overcome. Two may withstand a threefold cord that is not easily broken. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with one another, and finally, and I close with this, number three, relationship with ourselves, and and I am really not the self-help guy. I don't even really like that stuff, to be totally honest. I wanted to write, as my third point, relationship with others. You know, people who are not like us. People who are not already here. And I, I wanted to preach like a get out of your chair and reach somebody for Jesus third point today. But that's not what God wanted me to do. See, Jesus told everybody listening that you must love the Lord your God, and then you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And most of you, that's exactly what you're doing. It's why you don't love your neighbor the way that you're supposed to, because you don't love yourself the way that you're supposed to. You don't see yourself the way that your heavenly Father sees you. You see yourself through the eyes or the words of what somebody else has said about you instead of what the father has said about you in his book winning with people dr. John Maxwell describes the mirror principle it is that you treat people dependent upon what you see in the mirror how we see ourselves affects how we treat others when I look in the mirror what I see determines how i feel about everybody else as well he goes on to say this this is why self-assessment is so essential like you need to know your personality you need to know your design we believe that design is an indicator of destiny god made you the way that you are on purpose one of my children didn't like the way that god designed them. i corrected that quickly God made you the way that he made you on purpose. Before he put you in your mama's womb, he knew what he had for you. He developed and created you exactly the way that you are, and he's going to use you as long as you continue to surrender and follow him. I don't need you to be insecure about how my God created you to be. You are mine and you are his, and in that you should be secure. So, So they don't complain about little insecurities because they know you are to be secure of who you are in Christ as long as you are in Christ you're talking about the person that I love as much as anybody in this world people who are unaware tend to damage relationship without even knowing it People who are not self-aware and do not take the time to examine and assess themselves. They, they tend to hurt relationship with God and others, and they don't even realize that they're hurting anything. I'll say it this way, just to make it simple. Oblivious people tend to offend people. We don't get to be oblivious and just offend without assessing and examining. Well, why do I feel that way? And what why did they respond the way that they responded see I'm gonna break this down for you as we begin to land this plane it is our natural tendency to examine others and excuse ourselves if you know somebody that applies to just bump them <laughs> see I, I I've sat with a lot of couples and a lot of friends and, and, and dealt with a lot of division. And what I have found is that other people are really good at telling you what somebody else is doing wrong. You are really good at telling me why you're mad at who you're mad at. But what I have also found is very few people can tell me how to fix it. Nor do they even really want to evaluate it because we evaluate others and excuse ourselves. I sit with a husband and a wife. The husband is really good at telling me what the wife is doing wrong. And the wife is even better, come on somebody, at telling me what the husband is doing wrong. And I'll ask the other one, okay, what could you do? What could you do to make this better? No answer. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you do. You don't want to know. Because you know that's work. This is an excuse to stay the way that you are. But that's work to do what God wants you to do. See, we tend to judge others. Though I got some of y'all now. We tend to judge others according to their actions. But we judge ourselves according to our intent. We give ourselves grace based on what we meant to do. Well, that's not, I didn't mean what I meant to say. What I meant to, and so we give, our gra- give ourselves grace on what we meant to do. And, and then we just, we, we judge others just w- what they did, what they said, how they treated us. See, I submit to you today that a follower of Jesus should flip that. We should seek to understand others and we should evaluate ourselves might want to write that down hey listen I'm not feeding you a meal that I'm not willing to eat for myself hear me hear my heart I don't want to stand before God and answer for being unaware of something that I should have evaluated I have prayed this prayer on more than one occasion father please God, please do not let me and my humanity and flesh hinder what you have for these people. And it starts with her and my family, and then it goes out to our staff and leaders and the rest of the church and the rest of the community. God, please, please don't let me hinder what you have. No, God, let me me help. Let me help. You're going to do it whether you use me or not. God, let me help. I want to be a part of it. I'm the kid in the class with his hand raised, like, me, 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 God, use me. And God says, I want to, but I can't right now. Because you're oblivious to things I actually want to help you overcome. In relationship with yourself, hold yourself accountable and seek to understand the intent of everybody else. Lamentation chapter 3. See, this is the book that everybody likes to blow through, but you miss this great nugget right in the middle of this book. Verse 40, it says, Let us examine and test our ways. Not everybody else, but us. Yeah, we can judge the fruit. That's fine. But you better do it with righteousness and not arrogance, lest you judge yourself. Let us examine and test our ways. Oh, I like this one. And turn, repent. And turn back to the Lord. You don't need another prayer. You need to start practicing what's already been prayed. You don't need deliverance. You've already been delivered. You need to add discipline to your deliverance. Turn back to the Lord. Just as a reference, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, his second book. Examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. Examining everybody else. Y'all listening to my sermons thinking about how many people need to hear it. Holy Spirit didn't send you so that you could share it and tag everybody else that needed to hear it. He sent you like he sent me. Because we need to hear what the Spirit is speaking to us right now in this place today. Lord, help me turn back to you. I need to examine myself. I must examine myself. And this is not something that I just do one time and then move on. This is something I repeat over and over again. The actual author of this is not confirmed. It's referred to as the saying of the unknown monk, believe it or not. When I heard it, it was referred to as an 11th, 1100 um, archbishop that no one knows the name of, written on an epitaph. We couldn't find the epitaph, but we, we found the poem. We found the phrase, and I think it proves the point. He says this, When I was a young man, I wanted to change the world. I'll never forget one of our business owners in the church had a young man come in, started talking to him about just being on time. The young man was like, look, I'm just doing this for a little while because it's been prophesied over me that I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that. The business owner in our church right here in Eunice said, I don't care what's been prophesied over you. If you don't start showing up on time, you're not getting paid. That's not a goal. Just something you do. It's just a discipline. But when I was young, man, I wanted to change the world. And then he says this I found it was difficult to change the the world, so I tried to change my nation. When I found that fussing and complaining on Facebook wasn't enough to change my nation, I began to focus on my town, my community. I couldn't change the town as an older man, I decided to try to change my family. And now as an old man, I realize the only thing I can change is myself. And suddenly I realized that if long ago I had changed myself, I could have made an impact on my family, and my family and I could have made an impact on our town, and their impact Could have changed the nation and I could indeed have changed the world I must examine myself because I cannot control how people treat me but I am in control of how I respond stop giving yourself away to how other people treat you respond to Christ So I pray over you That when you examine yourself as Paul prayed over the church I'll land where we opened Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 then Christ Will make his home in your heart He's taking up residence You are not your own You were bought with a price. He owns you and everything inside of you. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love. You will be like a tree planted by the rivers whose fruit never withers. But you produce and you grow and you will be kept strong.